Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to artists about their favorite albums. Today, we're talking with Pretty Maddie. On top of putting out amazing power pop slash punk songs, Maddie also plays in the band Pony, as well as co-hosts the pod Too Much TV with their partner Sam Belansky. We talk today about Weezer's self-titled debut, aka the Blue Album. We also chat about Weezer haters, which I might be one, how the Blue Album is easily their best, and no, Pinkerton isn't the best album. I'm really speaking for myself here and not for Maddie. You'll hear it more on the pod, but Maddie celebrates the whole catalog. I think they suffer from Weezer brainworms and reverse contrarian syndrome. But with all of that, I had an amazing chat and a lot of fun revisiting this album, much more than I expected. Before we get to the chat, please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Email us at spinningoutpod at gmail.com if you want to be a guest or just tell us how much you love the pod. Lastly, the new Pony album came out Friday, April 9th, so pick it up through Take This to Heart Records. Okay, let's chat with Pretty Maddie. Hey, Maddie, how's it going? I'm doing very well. I'm excited to be here, excited to talk about this record that I'm not going to name because you have to say it in a second. Everything's great. How are you? I am doing amazing, and today we are talking about Weezer's debut album. It's called Blue Album, but it's a self-titled album. What's up with that? Uh, I think it was originally supposed to be just a self-titled album. And then people started calling it blue, and that just became what it was. I don't think it was intended to be called self-titled or to be called blue in the first place. Do you think it was only called the blue album after they released another self-titled album in two thousand and one? Uh, I think that could that that argument could be made, but it is pretty. It is quite distinctly a blue album, but the Feelies did the blue album first. Mm, I did not know that. Oh, I guess I do know that record, but I, yeah. Um, I think there are other blue albums that we're not thinking of in this moment. Well, um, from what I understand, the original inspiration for this album cover was a uh, Beach Boys compilation cassette that has the four of them in like, kind of like a barbershop quartet type outfit mm. on just a blue background. And I think that was like the initial inspiration. I'm pretty sure there's like an alternate version that was shot where they're all wearing matching clothing and somebody along along the line was like, maybe don't do this. <laughs> I really wish that they had done that. <laughs> that is so much worse. And I, I honestly think that if... If that were the cover, this record would not be what it is today. We probably wouldn't be talking about this record if they had no. done that. Because I fucking love this record, but it is already dangerously hokey. There are some spots that are like almost unforgivable, and if 
you were also coming in with like the corniness maxed out on the album cover, we wouldn't be here today. They do ride a fine line on this record that uh, it's like, oh man, when I, when I think about like what they are able to balance on this record, like it's, Mm -hmm. I think about bands that, and I won't name any of them that, that sound like Weezer, like that whole revival a few years ago. Um, and I guess, I mean, would you consider, would you consider pretty Maddie, the band, a like part of the Weezer revival or how do you feel about it stylistically? Um, that is definitely a really huge part of what I've done in music, especially like the last, well, all of it, uh, like the new stuff too. It, it's like an inescapable musical influence for me, whether I want it to be or not. But when I started Pretty Maddie, I had been doing, um, I guess, what could be called challenging music for a long time. You know, like I played in Self Defense Family, um, and I also played in a band called No Hands that was just like a loud, atonal hardcore band and after that i played in a band called lychee for a little while that was a little more melodic but i still hadn't really figured out like i hadn't really thought that much about songwriting i was still just like i like playing guitar in a band you know um and that i in that project i started to figure it out and then when i started doing pretty maddie it was like I got to this point where I was like, I want to make music that I want to make the music that makes me feel good. You know, I want to make like my, my weighted blanket records. So like, I think the original inspiration would have been like, uh, guided by voices, alien lanes, um, green day, dookie and insomniac and the blue album. Those are probably, and, uh, breeders last splash. So those were probably like the baseline for like what I was trying to do. And I think in terms of what I'm capable of, it definitely leans more blue album than any of the other ones. Yeah. I mean, and that's fine. I feel like what ends up happening on, and I don't think this happens on Pretty Maddie, uh, but I feel like a lot of kind of Weezer clone bands, really that's the only thing they're lifting from. Yes, for sure, for sure. And that ends up being weird to me, but I don't know if it's just simply, it's like, I, I feel like I can't do that. I don't know if, if I sat down to try and write a Weezer song, I don't think that I could. I just don't really have that skill. Okay, I'm glad you said it that way, because I think that it is definitely a skill. It's a specific mm-hmm. skill set that people have. I find a lot of people who come from hardcore and then make melodic music really, for some reason, have this skill where they um. can uh, kind of like perfectly emulate a record or an era. And I'm incapable of doing that. I try to do that on my podcast, Too Much TV, all the time. <laughs> like almost every week I come into it where I'm like, I'm going to write a song in the style of whatever. And then I write this song and I'm like, okay, this is just me again. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how to, I can try 
and I can steal elements, but in the end, I can't make something that's a perfect clone. And sometimes I wish that I could. And then sometimes I listen to those records. Sometimes it works, and other times I'm like, I really hate this. Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's hard to find the right balance of where it's like, where something can be um, homage and where something is just like a, a aggressive clone. Like when you're not putting any of your own spin on it, I don't want to hear it because you're not going to do it. You're not going to do the blue album better than they did. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's, I feel like, uh, like whenever they make a Terminator sequel, everybody's like, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't that good, <laughs> but yeah, you're never going to be better than Terminator two. So no, everything is going to be downhill. So if you're playing this, in that realm, you just simply can't be better. Well, this is something that I was thinking about today while revisiting the record and i think you know i i still listen to weezer a lot i watch live videos a lot i listen to the b-sides a lot and i listen to new weezer records a lot like i think the record i listen to the most at this point is probably everything will be all right in the end overall Um, in yeah like if i'm if i'm talking like listening to a record straight like start to finish I think that's maybe the one for me now. I don't think it's the best one by any stretch, but like, you know, I've heard I've heard the Blue Album so many times that mm-hmm. to like just sit down and actually listen to it is not something that I do often. It's almost like when people like, how often do you listen to Minor Threat? I yeah, so rarely. It's it, it feels I used like to that lot, kind of thing. But... It's like I don't know if I need to listen to old Metallica as often as I did mm-hmm. as a kid. Like, I get exactly. it. Exactly. Like, something that you truly know front to back and you've explored every side of it, it's like, I'm so happy that it exists and I'll listen to a specific song from it from time to time when I'm wanting to hear that song. But, like, to really sit down and, and listen to the record is rare. But I did that today and I listened to all of the B-sides. And I think that what makes this record special and what makes it different from i would say everything post pinkerton is that you have a band that are coming in clearly with big aspiration because this record comes out on david geffen company like it's their first record they're not like touring for years trying to get to this point it just kind of happens but you know that's to say that clearly rivers had an an intention in a goal to be like a professional band, mm-hmm. a professional musician or whatever. But this record really feels semi-pro. You know, you have somebody writing music who... Have you ever listened to the demos for this? There are three, I believe, three different versions of the demos for this record. Have you ever listened to it? No. Okay, so with each one, it slowly gets closer to what you have on the Blue Album. But on the early ones, like on the first batch... It's very clear that he doesn't really know what he's aiming for and is doing like kind of a uh, maybe doing like a little bit of a Kurt Cobain type voice sometimes gets a little more of like the grunge vibe. Um, There are songs like Paper Face that don't sound anything like the rest of this record. And prior to that, Rivers was a metal guy. Yeah. So 
you have him coming to this being like, I want to write melodic music and I want to put out music on a major label. And this is his version of that. And it works so well because it is somebody who is clearly gifted at writing music, gifted at writing melodies, a great singer, but doesn't quite know how to do what he's trying to do yet. And then you have Pinkerton, which is like an even further exploration of that because it it still has what works with the Blue Album, but gets a little bigger. Like basically every song on the Blue Album, the rhythm guitar is just like dun, 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 you know, like straight through. Pinkerton's a little less like that. And then after that, you have somebody who is like a professional songwriter and they're never hitting what works for the blue album ever again. And I don't think that like even even as a professional songwriter now somebody's so experienced like he couldn't you you can't redo this. What mm-hmm. works about it is that it's almost an accident. Yeah. So do you feel like he's constantly chasing the accident? I think that uh what I like about Rivers and what I think is interesting about Rivers and what keeps me coming back to Weezer albums, even though a lot of the time they're not great and there's a lot of very cringe moments throughout their career, is that he is always trying to do something. You know, yeah. there are times like uh, Everything Will Be Alright in the End, where he's clearly trying to do like a little bit of a throwback, like fan pleaser record. And when he's trying to do that, he does that well. It's fun, but it's not the same. Uh, and then other times he's trying to do something else there are times like i recently probably about a month ago i listened to every weezer single consecutively from the beginning of their career to the end and it's interesting to see like to see him reaching for like big mainstream pop rock success sort of around like the red album uh make believe ratitude era yeah and then sort of settling into what they do now, which is like sort of a mix of past Weezer and him reaching for modern pop music. Like, and, and it doesn't always work. A lot of the time it sucks. I don't really want to hear Rivers Cuomo trying to rap, but I also kind of respect that he could be, he, they could stop making records and they could just tour Blue and Pinkerton and they could make a shitload of money every year. Mm-hmm over and over and over again they don't have to be doing this but he is somebody who is dedicated to his craft and wants to be writing music and whether i like the songs he's writing or not i respect it and i think it's cool yeah i mean there's so many different threads even back to where you were talking about uh i don't know like five minutes ago about um so whenever people like come from hardcore and then whenever you mention that Rivers was a metal guy, and I didn't know that Mm -hmm. about him. And it's definitely, like, obvious when you definitely look at the Blue Album. But... Yes, because the sweater song, the riff, is is the same as, I believe, One by Metallica. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But... And I, I read in an interview where he was like, I was trying to write a Velvet Underground song, but it makes sense that I accidentally rewrote One by Metallica. Yeah. It's... Ah, it's it's like when I think about that, but I mean, kind of in a way, you kind of uh, proved what I'm about to say wrong. It's like, do you think because like he was a metal guy, did that give him the capability of kind of emulating things? But 
but by you, you were saying with the demos that doesn't clearly that wasn't clearly the case no he's definitely swinging for something that he's not achieving at first and what what the blue and blue album ends up being is not where it starts off and i think that i think that what makes the blue album special and what what made it connect for me and probably for a lot of people is that like so much of the music at that time, like all the grunge stuff is very, um, it's kind of jockey and, uh, very melodramatic, very lyrically heavy, very moody. And then you have stuff like green day that is like, you know, it's, it's punk, it's fast, it's very bratty. And then, Weezer is kind of something in the middle. Like he's just doing, he's just doing like classic pop music and there's guitar solos, but they're not, they're not out of pocket. They're very melodically pleasing. Like everything about it is melodically pleasing and you can connect to it as like just a regular dork, you know, like looking at Green Day, I was like, these guys are really cool. And looking at Nirvana, I was like, these guys are really troubled. And I'm, ne- <laughs> I'm neither. <laughs> so then I saw, you know, um, I can't remember which the first video I saw was, but buying the CD and like opening the CD booklet and seeing that picture of their garage that just looks like shit, like that, all of that was really cool to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, ah. <sighs> I'm I'm thinking just like kind of thinking about myself and it, and almost like feel like a, in a way like for the past few years I owe Weezer an apology. Uh, like, <laughs> I think a lot of people do actually. Well, yes. Um, what what I mean is that I feel like I'm realizing that I almost blamed Weezer for all of the Weezer clones, mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm. not Rivers' fault that no. every band wanted to sound like Weezer for a second no and it mainly it's, it's because this album kind of reminded me like i i grew up liking this record i mean i you know played it a lot even as like i don't know a young like kid into like fast punk and everything and you know we would listen to that in like the van on early tours you know and but it's like i never went really further than that record other than like what i heard on like the radio and i was listening to some of green album today mm-hmm. and you were mentioning that you felt that they became um kind of the pop machine thing like around like red album but i mean yeah. there's certain things on even green album where it feels like they're responding to music of the time like specifically i don't know if i'll be able to say what song but even just like looking at let's say I'm trying to think of what Weezer song on green album sounds like, uh, like a jet song or it almost just feels like a response to like music of that time or Mm -hmm, even like mm -hmm. blur, I guess. Um, there's so many moments that, that feel more like a blur record than Weezer. What do you know about the Weezer lore? Like, are you saying that you, you only really messed with this first album? I'm constantly, I always constantly try and reconnect with Pinkerton. Mm -hmm. And even before, like, even before, like, people kind of were like, oh, Pinkerton sucks. Kind of like, you know, okay, two things kind of happened. It was like, Blue Album's not the best, Pinkerton is the best. And Uh then it kind of became Pinkerton is bad. 
And yep. then, but, you know, but I felt like I was, I was like a pre didn't like, I didn't get Pinkerton. <laughs> like there would be bands covering, you know, stuff from Pinkerton. And I'm just like, don't like it. I like Blue Album better. Cause it was always like the <laughs> secret better album. And I'm like, no, Blue Album is the definitive without a fucking doubt best Weezer album. Um, I definitely agree with that. <laughs> it's just no contest. Like, like if I made like a playlist of songs I like by Weezer, it's probably going to have a lot of song on it, but mm-hmm. I think it dramatically drops off like after blue album. I can basically put this whole album on a mix outside of surf wax America. <laughs> and that's the one you don't like. That's the, well, I saying I don't like it is strong, but yes, I'll say, I'll just say I don't like it. Like if I holiday? were no, I think holiday is great. Uh, you think holiday is great? I would, I would, <laughs> if I could go back to the the mastering suite, I would accidentally chop that one out, mm. and then I think you have a perfect album. I think that's the one, the one moment that they stray from from God's light on this one. Well, you probably aren't wrong, but something about kind of the uh, something about the way kind of the end of this record kind of chills the fuck out. Yeah, like I like and. It maybe that has something to do with age on my end, but you know, it's like I like when bands are able to kind of stretch out more. Like I don't mm-hmm. need like that frenetic energy and they're not doing it in a sense that like Green Day does on like Insomniac, but it's just always like you know, the whole time <laughs> and it's just like chill the fuck out and like you know, it's like if your if your band is created to just be a Pixies clone, which, you know, I don't think that they kind of are but just in the sense of like loud quiet they kind, loud, of kind of are it is but yeah. it's like it i mean it is <laughs> but yeah but like they're not really doing on the early half of the record they're not really doing the quiet parts well no they're definitely not um, okay but we're we're getting off off the point i'm getting to yes, so yeah keep with your um after pinkerton comes out it initially gets a lot of very bad reviews he takes it very personally and from there, he's like, I'm never writing a personal record again. Mm. So when it comes time to write the Green album, he uh, experimented with all these different ways of writing songs and kept like this very detailed journal of how he was writing each song. And I think, I I think Green is a great record still, but like when it came out among the the Weezer fan community, it was really disliked because it is. Like you said, I do think it's a, a reflection of like what was going on in alternative rock at the time. Like he is definitely trying to make a pop rock record, but I don't think it's like it's not going as far as as some of the later ones do. Yeah. But I again, I think he's just like not that good at it yet. Mm. So what's but the Green Album does have some of my favorite my favorite Weezer songs. Like Photograph, I think is a perfect pop track which is funny because um when they were making this record when they're making green they released a lot of demos and like had had the the fans give input on it where they're like oh we don't you know i like this but i don't like that etc and then they would change the songs and so there are some alternate cuts of a few different songs and there's a version of photograph which as it is on the record is this like little i think like two and a half minute maybe song 
that has absolutely all of the fat is trimmed. It's just perfect, like hook after hook after hook after hook, and then it's done. But there's this other version with like another verse and another pre-chorus, and there are people who are like, "This is the best version of this song," and I think those people are sick freaks. Well, we definitely super disagree on. No, I'm not going to defend really any Weezer song ever. But uh, we we really disagree on the tenets of like you you are the school of like no song should be on over two minutes basically. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, it's like your metric. <laughs> I'll say that, and I I get it. I get it as like a, a school of thought. But I I love like ten minute songs. I don't know what it says about me. You know, <laughs> like. But it's what do you think made you this way? What like what's a band that made you like that? I think it's probably because I whenever whenever I was like a young kid that I guess the the kid that discovered like Weezer by way of Windows 95 CD. Sure. Like that's the route I was on. Mm -hmm. But there was essentially a friend gave me injustice for all. Okay, yeah. And it was all over. Like Anna, and there's things that easily could be critiqued about that record or that type of way of writing songs. Metallica's not really the best at it because their idea of making a 10 minute long song is really just to keep repeating things over and over. And <laughs> I, I don't like that. Like the kind of sunny day real estate model of essentially just restarting the song and doubling it. No, <laughs> but like Dinosaur Jr. You want to be taken on a journey. I want to go on a journey. Like when, mm -hmm. if Jay wants to go on a, a you know, a seven minute long song, like, uh, like farm does. I want to be on it. Like built to spill, built to spill live. Built to spill is an exception for me. <laughs> well, yeah. And I know, I know you, you but, love them, but that being said, there's nothing wrong with love is my favorite built to spill record. So <laughs> there you go. Like, and, uh, well, in like things that I, I think I reference like every episode of this podcast, like neurosis and, you know, kind of, I guess, stoner mm. bands and stuff like that. But, like, I still just feel most comfortable listening to, I guess, pop-oriented things. But it's sort of like I can't get away from, I guess, that metal, heavy music brain that kind of makes me want things to go on, like, forever. <laughs> See, I think that that's why I connected with metal less than I did with, with punk and hardcore, because it was like, there are metal bands that I like, but... When the songs are long, it just it I'm it just loses me. And also, I don't really like. <laughs> I don't. I'm gonna make a. People are gonna be mad at me for saying this. Maybe I don't like when music is instrumental. Really, <laughs> like <laughs> I almost always want there to be a vocal, and that is definitely something I do in my uh, own music where I'm like scared of not having a, like if there's a part where I'm not singing, I feel very insecure about it. Ooh. I, okay. I understand as like every time. Okay. I was re listening to, uh, uh, Jerusalem by sleep, the hour long mm -hmm. song. And uh. there was a point, it's like seven minutes into the song. I'm like, you could have started vocals earlier. You know, it's like, like, I agree with you on that front. Like, sometimes it goes on too long without it. But I would say as an extra, like, it's, I think it's great that you have that two minute rule. 
But I think sometimes you should push yourself a little bit outside of your comfort <laughs> of it and allow yourself to kind of have that space because you're not going to go too crazy with it because you're like really scared of not you, you want to make really good space in your song and not have extra space. But I would say just kind of like while I know I need to reel it in. So I, I keep that three minute song or two and a half minute mm-hmm. thing in mm-hmm. my mind. And I know I'm going to stray from it because I'm a long song guy. It's like you need to almost like go the other way slightly. Let it get a little looser. Yeah. Okay, but just for for clarification, like I love a two-minute song, but but the thing that I like is, and it also is like the thing that I like about pop music in general, Mm -hmm. I like being able to make the best possible thing within the confines of a pop music structure you know like somebody somebody said to me recently like they replied to a tweet that i made i don't remember what it was but they were like oh but verse chorus verse bridge chorus gets boring or whatever but like that doesn't get boring to me i it's like what i'm looking for is how exciting and how melodically pleasing you can make something within this format. I like the format. And I think that this might like this, uh, this might be a reflection of the way that I was when I was a kid, like kind of in my, my post blue album teens, I loved rush and I loved the Mars Volta Mm -hmm. and shit like that. And I think for a long time I didn't know how to write a song because I listened to that stuff so much where I was like, I didn't really know how to write a chorus. I didn't know how to structure a song. And now I've just kind of like reverted back to this like, uh, (laughs) like musically conservative state. (laughs) I think, I think it's that, that idea of verse, chorus, verse, like I have no problem with, I think that, like more people could more people could be served by finding using that structure as some sort of mold i think so too because i hear a lot of like new music where i get two minutes in and i'm like that where's the chorus Mm -hmm. like what's the chorus in this song i don't know i just i'm a, a a big traditionalist when it comes to pop songwriting and i feel like the rest of the song should exist to serve the chorus. But I think what you're negating is, okay, I know you're a big teenage fan club fan. Yeah. Um, there, there's often this idea of like the song, the song as its original intent versus the radio edit, because yeah. we all yeah. grew up obviously in the age of radio as it was. Uh, what you're really thinking about is you're adhering to radio edit. But, like, if you think about, like, even, like, Don't Fear the Reaper by Blue Oyster Cult, <laughs> when you think, when I think about the existence of that song, like, my whole life, there was never that kind of, I guess, coda would be what it is. Like, it was always just kind of the main part of the song. But there's a thing that, in Teenage Fan Club does this, uh, where it's, like, almost the, the, the radio edit exists, and then they're going to take you on a journey. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay. And so, that's the song, but... I'm not. I'm not familiar with. I you know. I know. Don't fear the reaver. But I couldn't tell you the the difference between the radio edit and not. My version of that is uh, that third eye blind song. 
Semi Charmed Life has like this big extended bridge that's left out of the radio edit okay. that I didn't know was a thing until like I got the record and was like, oh, what's this? But that's you know that's my version of that, and I do think that that the the full version of that is better, and it's a long song, but you know, yeah. So so I I think what we're getting at here is that you're a liar. <laughs> that I like long songs. I think you I think you do more than you realize. I I like to let people discover because I think it's almost just a statement. Okay, it's almost the same kind of feeling as when people just say Weezer suck. Because I've been there. I've yep, been the guy yep. that says, like, Beatles suck. You know? Like, it's Shameful. fun to watch. Shameful. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. I've been that guy. It, to me, it's sort of just this kind of inner edge lord that I have to fight. And uh-huh. by, by basically doing this podcast, I'm fighting it. Because I talk to people <laughs> every week about uh, records that I don't really like. And I'm not assholes <laughs> to them about it. Um, so... But what I'm I'm trying to purge that just that feeling of there, there's like a Facebook group I'm thinking of specifically and you know what I'm talking about the 90s emo hardcore blah 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 it's like a super long thing uh-huh. um, the people on there are the worst but in <laughs> the way that they're just saying that like basically if someone says Jimmy World they'll eat, they'll someone will respond and like Jimmy do do you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> which is really funny but um that that's the only point they have and it's like you're not critically thinking about the music or you're not really just you're just being a child you know and i know i mm-hmm. have that side of myself what i'm saying back to what we were talking about is that i think when people say that no song should be more than three minutes they're not being any different than when someone said jimmy doo-doo Okay, but I don't sincerely feel that way. I think that there are exceptions, but my my ideal for a song, like when I picture the perfect song, it's uh like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, done, and it's two minutes. Well, I say that I. But I, I know, like my favorite my favorite Dinosaur Junior album is Green Mind, and I think I recently said that Weezer was my favorite band on Twitter. And I've since kind of felt like maybe that was a bit of an overstatement. <laughs> and I, but the competition would be Dinosaur Jr. I think that they are maybe my favorite band. And their songs are often much longer than that and often have a lot of, uh, all of sections I would trim if it were me. Yeah. But, but I you, still love it. Do you it. think that you, if you were to look deep within yourself, do you think that you said that Weezer was your favorite band because you felt at the moment that people were being <laughs> mean to Weezer? No. I think that it is it is still very possible that Weezer is my favorite band. But I I struggle to really I love a lot of music, but I struggle to love a lot of music at the same time. Like things that I if a record that I love, I will go back and forth being like, this is a perfect record to being like, ah, well, I would cut that song or uh, I wish it didn't sound like that. You know, like I can't I can't just really enjoy something. I always am thinking about it and analyzing it and being like, what would I do differently? Or like, how could this be better? And I think that that um, is not a great trait 
to have for myself, just for my own personal enjoyment of things. Like, if I could just, like, part of me wishes that I could just be, like, uh, like a Taylor Swift stan online. Mm -hmm. Like, if a new record could come out and I could just um, bluntly be like, I love this. Mm -hmm. This is an infallible record that should have a 10 on Pitchfork. I think my life would be better and I would be happier, but I can't really do that. And like, we've had conversations about uh, new records that Mm -hmm. I should love, I could love if I weren't this way, but that I feel some type of way about for some reason. And even that record that we talked about, I put on the other day and I was like, I fucking love this record. So I don't know. I I I uh, in this moment I feel like I'm the devil and I'm just excavating all of these uh parts of <laughs> you that I that I deeply know. Um and I, I well I'm not going to apologize for it. But no, don't. I think what's I think what's interesting is um I think that there is it's like you're you're trying so hard to fight the contrarian in you yeah, that that's you almost certain. go the contrary in the other way, but you can't truly exist there because you're not comfortable there. Like in the same way, like I've gotten more open-minded about like pop music. I definitely might've been uh-huh. someone a few years, like 10 years for, ago, I might've said Jimmy doo online, you know, gotcha. like, yeah, like, and I, I love Jimmy Eat world. So in case Jimmy, if you are listening, I, I am very sorry that people say that. Um, but like I, I've tried to be more open-minded about like pop music, and I feel like I'm I'm doing a great job. I'm gonna pat myself on the back. Um, mm-hmm. Like I I love Charlie XCX, but I don't think that, that's yeah. very hard to do. Like you, if you have ears, you should like it. You know, no, like, that's pop music in general, though. Yeah, and, and I also think it's like on a different playing field. That it's it's it almost seems counterintuitive to judge it in the same way, and that's not like I'm like giving it a pat on the head and just being like, "Hey there, little guy," you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's just a different way of expressing yourself. Like so much of it is the presentation itself. Like what I what I always think about is just like when that fucking idiot uh, covered uh, a Taylor Swift album. Um, I'm not going to say his oh, name. Yeah. And yeah. Um, then people were like, oh, that's great. It was, I mean, it was all like dudes were like, that's great. You know, but yes. it's like, dumbass, you can't get on stage and like do dances and like sing without <laughs> being pitchy and all of that bullshit uh-huh. that goes along uh-huh. with being a pop star. So like yep. when people, want, and main, also what I'm thinking about too on this, uh, I don't know, me railing on things is just like those stupid memes where it's like, you know, one person in Queen wrote this song, but look how oh many people, God. it's like the most, you know, that, but that's also what I think about when I think of people being like Beatles fans, like ponytail Beatles fans. And, you know, <laughs> uh, but like just that type of guy or person in general, um, you know, so I don't want to be that person. I don't know where I was going with that, but I think that, um, I think that you're right about me probably swinging a little too hard to not be a contrarian at times. I think that that, there's some truth to that for sure. But I, okay. There are people that have known me 
probably let's say five years ago, maybe less than that, that would say that I'm a born dyed in the wool hater, that I don't like anything, <laughs> that I am a miserable person, and I've definitely, definitely put in work to change that. Like put in effort to change that. I used to just meet people and be like, I hate that person. You know, like that was just my default state to be that way. And I think a lot of people are that way. And I think that um, a lot of people are in, in, in music and in punk and hardcore are that way because a lot of people that come from that, like were definitely losers growing up and I was definitely a loser growing up. So you're like, you exist in a world in a way that is defensive. Um, and it's, to like something, to enjoy things, is to make yourself vulnerable. To be somebody who just loves shit, you're making yourself vulnerable. And I think that um, it's kind of uh, an odd example, I guess, or like an odd point in my life to like make that shift. But um, when the last Paramore record came out, After Laughter, I was on the Megabus going back to Montreal when I lived there, I was like, hey, maybe I'll just listen to this. I've never listened to this band before. And I loved it. And that shifted my perception in a big way and made me, at this point in my life, I think that I probably listen to more new music than a lot of people would give me credit for. Or a lot of people would guess that I do. Because, like, every day I just get on Twitter and I'm like, wow, isn't Dinosaur Jr. a great band <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> but every day, like, I listen to new music every Friday, whatever. And I go into everything wanting to like it. And I think that more often than not with, like, indie rock stuff, with punk stuff, more, more so indie rock, I guess. I, I think bands could, take, could stand to take a little more from pop music. Yeah. I mean, you know, I want, I want, I want music to be, I want it to be stuck in my head right away, instantly. I think that if, if you're writing something that is pop music adjacent, and I think that like basically what all of us do is pop music, like it, it should be stuck in your head right away. I think a band that does that very well, that blends like being a punk band and, and, and making pop music is Angel Dust. I think they do that perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with any, but sometimes I, I'm like, but what then? What is lungfish? <laughs> you know, and it's like I, there's an element of I love that too, but I don't disagree yeah, with sure. any part. But I will say that I think that when you listen to something like lungfish and you listen to things like lungfish isn't noise rock per se, but sometimes the riff is the hook. A lot of times the riff is the hook. Yeah. And yep, it's it almost like can. they're accidentally creating pop songs, like a Jesus Lizard song or whatever. It's like they've created a memorable enough hook that that's what you're walking away with. You know, so they do yeah, it. for sure. I don't even know if they do it accidentally. Um, it's kind of that. It's it's that way of songwriting, almost like just using a guitar. What a voice would do in any of our songs, they do with mm -hmm. a guitar. I think the reason that a lot of that stuff has the appeal that it does is because it's doing that is because that the hook is there. It's just not, maybe not as transparent as it is in other shit. Like Jesus lizard is mm -hmm. a ugly, noisy band, but they're a, a huge, ugly, noisy band. And, and they're that way for a reason. 
I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, I think we can, it's like we can go we can go completely down like what punk band is catchy. You know, it's like we could do that <laughs> forever, yeah. you know, yeah. like uh, but I mean, I agree with you in the terms of, uh, you know, like I, I can't I wish in a way that I wasn't so tied to the verse chorus verse chorus thing. Like it just it almost feels like just a cross I bear, but I, I think trying to fight it <laughs> I would be just dishonest. Like there was a point in like my songwriting journey where I was just like, I'm going to write just exactly what comes out. Mm-hmm. And and I think in a way that that's probably what you did when you decided to do Pretty Maddie. It's just like I'm going to write the yeah, music that sure. just naturally comes out of me. Yeah. yeah. And I think that really almost anyone could be served doing that. I mean, that's great that like kids that grew up on hardcore, which we kind of all did, but like hardcore songwriters, they got really good at emulating. But I still sometimes would like to see like what naturally comes out of you. If it is Linkin Park covers, essentially (laughs) write those to the best of your ability. Mm -hmm. You know, like just be genuinely yourself. (laughs) Uh, I think that, I think that there is something oddly impressive about being able to just clone something. I it's a skill that I kind of wish I had a little bit more of and it's just, it's definitely something uh people appreciate. Yeah. There are definitely people who like that stuff. So, I don't know, like do what you want to do. If it's good, it's good. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I mean, if you yeah, sure. Um yeah, I can't do it. <laughs> You know, like, no, I it's absolutely like, yeah, can't I mean, there's no way I'd be able to do it. So I wouldn't be making music if I tried to do it. So mm-hmm. big ups to people that can do that successfully. I think less bands do it successfully than people think. But I also think that That's people true. just love basically covers. And even when something's not a cover, they just want something that reminds them directly of the other thing they like. Well, that's what I was going to say. I don't think people necessarily love covers, but I think that... Um, people love something that can be categorized. Mm-hmm. I think that's just like kind of a natural, a natural human thing to want to be able to be like, this sounds like this thing. And for better or for worse, you know, that's that's kind of the way that we are, and that's how how streaming services and stuff like all definitely cater to that. So I I think you'll probably just see more and more of that sort of um, perspective. Sometimes I feel like I want to fight against it because I think that kind of sucks. I think it's horrible. But (laughs) I also just think like kind of constantly trying to fight against something that there's no possible way that you can change. Then you're probably just going to exhaust yourself. So you almost just have to go on the ride of like playlisting and yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's true. But to uh circle back to weezer here (laughs) um i think that no matter like what the art you're making like if it's if it's if your intention is to sound like something if it's not if it rings true with people that's you know it's it's going to work either way like you're not you know i think that if you're making uh guitar music at this point and being like i'm going to be huge uh you're probably in for a little surprise but if you're making music that's good and that connects people like you might be able to make a little living off of that and that's cool and i think that that is what worked about 
the blue album too is that it was like the blue album wasn't necessarily what was cool at that moment but it it's like it has all these classic elements of good guitar based pop music that just came at the right time and that people wanted to hear i read that um i read that going into the record i guess that rivers wanted to produce it himself yeah I, the original plan was for it to be self-produced but the label wanted him to to have a producer which i guess makes sense considering they were like they're not a, a tried and tested band in any way they'd never made any record prior to that i can't imagine like signing to a major label and then just even having the courage to suggest that i was going to produce something myself <laughs> when i you know maybe i'm wrong but i don't believe that he really had the experience to do it i'm not saying i'm not saying that he couldn't have done it Mm-hmm. But I don't there there was just no resume there to say that that would have been a good idea. No, definitely not. And like if you listen to the demos prior to this, I think it really uh only stands to make that more clear. Like the, he didn't he he was unclear on what this record should sound like. So I think having Rick Osakic Okasic there was like absolutely crucial to this record being what it is and also rick okasic came back for green album correct yeah and they self-produced pinkerton i believe so would you say i'm gonna i'm gonna just pronounce his name differently every time and one of us is gonna get a <laughs> rick okasic <laughs> um <laughs> of the cars um is he is he the reason that they succeeded? I think he has a lot to do with it, Mr. Akasik. <laughs> because a lot of a lot of what they a lot of what Weezer is is referential to the cars and and the classic power pop music of that era and it's just like a more refined and modern version of that. Yeah, I mean it's definitely I feel like it is like the nineteen ninety five version of what Dr. Octopus was doing with For the sure. cars, you know. For sure. Previously. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of Elvis Costello. Like, these things are kind of, mm-hmm. I guess, obvious at this point. Um, you know, but the, the weird thing about, like, the Blue Album is I feel like when I, when I was re-listening to it, and it's not like I put it away for, like, years, but I was... I was surprised with how much I liked it and how fresh it felt when I was listening to it for this. Uh, And just kind of like, when I'm listening to, uh, when I'm listening to like Elvis Costello, Costello, I feel like there's a thing where I'm like, I just wish that this was like a little bit heavier. And even in like Mm -hmm. a, Mm -hmm. of the time heavy, you know, but it's like everything feels so thin. Yeah. Um, and even when I'm listening to like Thin Lizzy sometimes and, you know, I'll get beat up for this. Um, <laughs> like sometimes it just feels a little thin. And so like just I know to compare like Thin Lizzy and Weezer just doesn't make any sense. But it's like it's like it the right does, amount though. of thickness. Like it's it's just it's what I would have wanted as like a kid and as an adult. So all the kind of gripes that I had are about dynamic things but like it really hits the spot where i live mentally 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything about this record is is what I like, and I feel like you know that has obviously been defined by this record in many ways. But like, this is the the perfect sounding record. It's the best guitar sound. The production is amazing, and it's like there's there's nothing there with the exception of holiday there's nothing there that doesn't need to be there like if you listen to it there's almost not a lead guitar part that isn't a guitar solo the mm-hmm. rest of the time it's just rhythm guitar just vocals bass and drums you know there's no nothing was added that didn't need to be there one of the things i read is that they wanted to um approach they wanted to approach uh, rhythm tracks and bass tracks like it was a ten-stringed instrument. <laughs> yeah, I think it they, sounds they like succeeded. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure why you need a bass player if you're going to do that. Because I mean, I feel like a baritone guitar could basically do it. Um, uh, maybe it's not. It's not quite the same though. But it's uh, that's but that's the thing. Like when I'm listening, I think when I was listening to it, trying to like look for like, we'll say the faults of it. Like I was mm-hmm. just like, I wish there was like more like separate bass presence. Um, yeah, but, but you're a bass player. Yeah, yeah. No one else cares about that. Um, you're, so you're yeah, listening as for a that, bass I'm player. Not. That's what I wanted. <laughs> yeah. Um, but when I really break it down, I'm like, it would have really changed the way the album sound if they did that. I don't, when you were saying, when you were talking earlier about Rick and him producing the record and if it would be successful without him or whatever, I don't think there's really anything that you can change that doesn't like wildly butterfly affect the future of this record. Like everything that went into it is just like the right thing for it to work when it did. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like Rick O'Kay, Dr. Octopus couldn't have just like made <laughs> someone else successful. No, I, I mean, don't, I think that's I essentially think so. what I, I said. So, yes, I disagree with that as well. I think that it's just whatever. I mean, this is 90, what was it 94? Is this yeah. post Kurt Cobain dying? I believe it is. Yeah. Uh, it is because I know that because. Rivers was recently on a on the Rick Rubin podcast and mm-hmm. Rick Rubin has him do this very bizarre thing where he's like I want you to pretend to be I want you to pretend that Kurt Cobain didn't kill himself he faked his death to become you because Kurt dies and the blue album comes out after. And so like the first half of this interview is him asking Rivers questions as if he's Kurt Cobain who faked his death to become Rivers and Rivers deeply uncomfortable trying to answer these questions like to the best of his ability until eventually he just kind of drops it all together. Yeah, I I read a little bit about that, but I think it's like the least information I know about the less information I know about Rick Rubin, the better at this point. Like it's like, <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. Like, it's like, I don't want to know more. Like Rick Rubin is kind of, I think he's kind of like, uh, like most of what I know about Rick Rubin is from him being on the Tim Ferriss podcast. 
and it was just like you know those articles that are like 10 things CEOs do that make them better and smarter than you or whatever like it just seemed like he is kind of like the embodiment of that guy when you're when you're a certain age and you're still when you're still that guy mm. it's it's just not really cute anymore oh it totally isn't i think that's kind of what i saw i i it's almost i just had that reflection of myself at some point and then it was like you could keep getting worse about this you could kind of be a troll <laughs> on like facebook or whatever you know more or you could you know kind of just be nicer <laughs> Yeah, but then you become the you become the Jimmy Eat Doo Doo guy. Yeah, I don't want to be Jimmy Eat Doo Doo guy. No, you don't. Nobody does. It's not. That's not a cool way to be. Man, that that whole like him making Rivers do that, just like I I feel Very really punishing. awkward for for River. Yeah, it's so yeah, punishing. Like yeah, I I yeah. feel uneasy <laughs> like even bringing it up, and I think that's why. Uh, I'm just gonna like stop talking about Rick Rubin because that that like fucks me up so hard just to think about <laughs> like having to do that. But I do wonder like just the kind of like was the climate of music I, now I'm remembering what I was talking about kind of ready for that shift? You know, maybe not just because like Kurt Cobain passed away. Like you know, like what kind of happened in '94 that kind of led the shift of music kind of once again from. I guess out of grunge. I think that that what worked for the blue album is that it's it's not grunge. It's not like this long hair, super masculine, broody thing. And it was also not slacker. It's like it doesn't have the ironic detachment that a lot of shit from that era does. That I I think goes along with like the contrarian conversation we're having throughout this. Like at a certain point, it's it just gets tired to like not have a not have a strong opinion on anything mm -hmm. so then you have this this weezer record that is very sincere and uh kind of straightforward like writing these like broken heart love songs and shit and it just like came at the right moment and i think i think a good example of what i'm saying about how like and changing any one thing about the time and and facts of that record when it came out is that like Weezer is discovered opening discovered whatever like they start talking to to DGC um, after playing a show opening for that dog and I think that dog is for real like the best band of that era and maybe like the best guitar pop band that there has ever been mm -hmm. um and that dog never gets that big like they're you know they're they were on a label they were a big band sort of but like they're not weezer they never had their blue album and it's just like the circumstance the time and the circumstance and how that all worked out yeah i mean i guess like sometimes when i think about like why certain bands became like it's not a, to a discredit of anything like Weezer has done so I feel like that's kind of what I had to kind of have to keep reminding myself it's not like mm -hmm. Weezer got something so that dog didn't get something 
You know, no, or you no, could, no, you no, could, no. I'm you not could saying say, that. No, I, I know, and I know you're not, but sometimes I, I my mind goes there. Like, I gotcha. think, like, yeah. I think, like, uh, because, I don't know, it's like, because Nirvana got so big, is that why Dinosaur Jr. didn't get so big? Or, like, why wasn't Teenage Fan Club bigger than they mm-hmm. were? Like, why do, why are certain bands, like, why is Third Eye Blind picked over whoever you can put there? It doesn't really matter that they were picked. It's just mm-hmm. these other bands are great, too. <laughs> Yeah, it's just the circumstance or whatever, yeah. like whatever that thing is. Yeah, and and it's like even, I don't know. I mean, it's even like how big, I guess, was Lemonheads relatively to what we're talking about, you know? Did Lemonheads have even this type of success that Weezer did? I think Lemonheads could, could be a band like that, but, you know, Rivers didn't have a drug problem and rivers didn't like kind of um didn't have the struggles that a lot of people from that era did Mm -hmm. but the lemonhead story is kind of a tragic one whereas weezer is different like there there are people who wish that they weren't a band anymore and that they wouldn't make records anymore or whatever but they i don't know i think it i just think it's I think Rivers is so interesting just in the sense that like he he sought out the success, found it and somehow didn't really blow it. You know, like there are people who say he did, of course, but he puts out like two new records every year or at least a record every year that has a single that's usually big. They can do these tours that are big. There's definitely a crowd who love new Weezer songs and maybe think that like the blue album sounds fucking old or something. Um, he kind of has like a perfect career. Yeah. And part of that is that he just like, he was somebody who wanted to write music and that's kind of it. You know, he, that's all he's ever really done with that. Whereas like, you know, you have, Evan Dando running around with Oasis and, you know, partying and going nuts or hanging out with Kate Moss and shit. Whereas Rivers is like, hmm, I think I'll make another record that my fans hate. Yeah. But they don't seem to completely turn away from him. That's what's strange. It's like, no matter how many times I feel like there's like a Weezer misstep, Mm-hmm. I feel like it's just within six months and maybe that's the reason maybe I'm answering my own question it's like they're so quick to kind of correct course um, or put out new music I guess is the easier way to say it that I guess people just forget and... I think that um, I think that a lesser a lesser artist would see his audience being uh, unhappy with the work that he's doing and be trying to cater to them or stop doing music altogether. And I think that what allows him to correct course and to still keep doing what he's doing is that he he puts out these records because he wants to be putting out a record. And if the fans don't like it, it's like, uh, all right, well, this is the record, you know? Like, no, I, I don't... There are songs on... Like, the first time I listened to the White Album, I was like, what is this? Like, this sounds like Maroon 5 or something. 
and then you listen to it more and you're like oh i can't like i keep thinking about that song i think a good example of that is and what i'm saying is that like even the songs that suck are good still because he's just a good songwriter but there's a song on um the record i keep talking about everything will be all right in the end called the british are coming that the first time I heard it, I was like, this is the dumbest fucking song I've ever heard. And it's like right in the middle of the record. And I would skip it every time. But then I would find myself in the car being like, the British are coming. And just like thinking about it. And then one day I put it on and I was like, it's just like a switch flipped. And I was like, I like this song now. <laughs> and I don't think that that is like the the positive contrarian thing that you're talking about. I think that he just writes good songs. I mean, I, uh, I think you probably have like Weezer brain worms. Yeah, for sure. I I don't know any other, that's not, I mean, I don't know how to explain it other than that. And I'm really honestly trying to think about if I have a band that I do that for. Um, and I do not, and I'm not saying that in a way that I'm like better. I I wish I could just be whatever you're getting from Weezer. I want that <laughs> with like one band. Like I don't have that with one band. I was trying to uh-huh. think about if it's like Foo Fighters because I I am an apologist for them a lot, but it drops off at a point. <laughs> like and the Foo Fighters I'm like, are way worse. I don't know, but, but maybe <laughs> like, it's, it's so like, but it's like, even like people that like third eye blind, I feel like they're always still like, there's a certain point. Yeah. It's, but it's you're basically saying that you don't know if there's a, I guess you're not saying that Weezer doesn't have a drop off point or, or is that what you're saying? Um, I think that it depends on what your perspective is. I think that if you, <laughs> I'm not I'm not being a positive contrarian right now. I think that if you if you want the Weezer that put out Pinkerton and the Blue album, you're never going to get that again. You're not going to get that from any band. Like if if you're if you're somebody making art because you want to be making art and you feel compelled to be making art, you're not like you're not going to be happy trying to do your first album again. You're not going to be happy doing the thing you did when you were 20 years old when you're fucking 45 or however old this man is. Um, but I think that every Weezer record from the beginning of their career to now, their most recent record, I think is legitimately just good. What? No caveat needed. Are you you're, just good? You're not being a contrarian. No, I love that record. Have you, you listened love to it? Okay. Human. Yes. Are you kidding? I think it's so good. All I know is the many times I listen to Blue Album for this, which I uh-huh. know we've skirted around. If uh-huh. if any okay, one thing I'll say, if any time I do this and spin it out and I don't really talk about the album the whole time, you can listen to the album before we do the podcast. <laughs> so I don't need to. I want to talk about everything around it. So okay, talking uh-huh. to you, Maddie. Um, when I was listening to this record and only in dreams would end, for some reason it would always play some single off of Okay Human. And yeah, because it's like if you like the blue album, you're also gonna like this brain genius music. Well, I guess I think it was all my favorite songs. I guess it would just go. Into I love that song. I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" Like, I understand I that this is that Weezer, song. but I don't, I don't understand. That's like to me, it's like I'm at a I'm at a cautious Beatles fan at this point. 
But when like those the bozo ass like carnival songs come on, I do not want that. Like okay, it's like there's um, a point where you kind of be got to be honest about your fandom. Let me. I'm gonna get back to my point okay. that I was making in a second. But let me give you a little insight also about OK Human that might make you hate it even more. Probably but will. I think is like the most Weezer Weezerism I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, OK Human. The idea for the record comes from their producer. The producer that they have and that they've been working with is a guy that Rivers found who plays in a Weezer cover band. He went to a guy who plays in a Weezer cover band and was like, I want you to produce Weezer (laughs) records. And this guy was like, you should make a record that's all orchestral arrangements. And he did it, and it fucking rules somehow. It doesn't. It's so good. You have not even listened to it in earnest, so how can you say if it's good or not? Uh, I Honestly, I can't. So then I'm being the contrarian. Yes. Uh, so going back to my point, I think that every Weezer album from the beginning to OK Human, everyone is either good, legitimately good, or at worst, interesting. Uh, okay. In the sense that he's making choices that I think are pretty wild and pretty out of pocket, but it's still like... There's still something about it. There's still some charm to it. And there's some charm to watching him fail. Mm. This is insane. <laughs> like, okay. I know that... I, I feel like I could give someone Green Album. I could easily do that. Yeah. Um. Do you feel like Maladroit is... How do you feel about Maladroit? Dope Nose? fucking rules okay so great song keep fishing awesome so what about make-believe then you were saying you feel like that's like a really solid record no make-believe i think it's their worst era okay i think make-believe make-believe to either ratitude or hurley i can't remember which one that's when and i think that the reason that i feel like they're the worst records might be time sensitive thing where these records came out in a moment in pop music that I can think back to and not like like it feels too recent maybe or like just far enough back but those records just don't hit right for me although I love the song Beverly Hills Beverly Hills is fine like there's Beverly still Hills stuff that great. you can pull from it like just the cover of Ratitude I will never. The one I th- I think okay if I were in Weezer I would do the exact same thing that they're doing. So, uh-huh. but I think as an outsider, it's kind of like there's there's both this thing where I'm like you did it, but then I'm just like why do I have to why do I have to experience this from the outside? <laughs> like if I were in Weezer, this would be fun. It's like it's, and you're gonna hate this comparison, but it's like an Adam Sandler thing. I love Adam Sandler. I, I love all of his movies. But you kind of have to know, you almost have to put the same way. For me, I feel like you have to put Adam Sandler on Adam Sandler scale. And you have to put Weezer on a Weezer scale. I don't 
know if that's true. I think that I don't think I have Weezer brainworms. I think I have reverse contrarian brainworms. <laughs> I think that that might be the realization I'm coming to because I don't see a separation between Weezer, like a current Weezer record and like music that people consider to be like art or whatever. Like I don't see the difference. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to Weezer and Lungfish, same thing, you know, like it's just all, it, it just, I don't, I don't separate it. And same thing with like an Adam Sandler movie. I'm just looking, I'm looking to, I want to be entertained and I want, my brain to release the good chemical basically is what I'm seeking. But then that's entirely subjective the whole time. Can you ever look at something critically and be like, this is in fact good. Like I can't even remember if you do or not, but do you have letterboxed? Yes, I do. And I feel like when I'm like Sarah gets on me about this a lot where I feel like I have this weird scale by which I rate movies, but I, it's like you can't rate a Marvel movie in the same way that you rate like Godfather or whatever kind of you want to use as that example of like good movie. I think you have to. Then I would give basically, cause in that scale, then I give, I think about like Adam Sandler in its own, kind of scale a type mm-hmm. of movie i kind of get you kind of think about it in almost in a genre so you have to say for what it was trying to accomplish did this succeed because if yeah. i were saying like every movie needs to be a cr- criterion cut type thing then every adam sandler movie gets like half a star <laughs> but the it, adam sandler often, movie should be criterion I wouldn't disagree. What I'm saying is like you just can't compare these things in the same way. Okay, do you want to hear But even <laughs> Hold on. Do you want to hear my most recent letterboxed reviews? You still write reviews? Uh my ratings. Okay. All right. January 2021. I haven't used it in a minute. I have Home Alone 2 Lost in New York. I gave it one and a half stars. I have the Santa Claus 3, the Escape Clause. I gave that 2. Santa Claus 2, I gave it 4 stars. The Santa Claus, I gave it 5 stars. Palm Springs, starring Andy Samberg, I gave 4 stars. Jacob's Ladder, from 1990, I gave 4 stars. The Wrong Missy, I gave 3.5 stars. And Suspiria, I gave 5 stars. Wait, which? The original Suspiria? The remake. Well, th- and see, sorry, I gave it four stars. I gave okay, it four that, stars. That's wild to me. But what, what, this isn't a Suspiria remake podcast. Um, this is now a Letterbox podcast. But but that being said, I've got the Santa Claus 1994 up against Jacob's Ladder. I think I gave the Santa Claus a higher rating. But you but you you kind of proved my point. You're doing the same did thing. I? It's it's did it succeed at the movie that it was trying to make? Hmm. No, I'm rating it on my own personal enjoyment and what I'm what I'm taking away from it. Maybe I big brain this whole process and I'm doing the exact same thing as you. Because I think I gave Wrong Missy like three stars. 
which <laughs> to most people would be like insane. There's so many problems with that movie. But the movie, it knows what movie it's trying to make, and I feel like it succeeds at it. Mostly succeeds at it. If it succeeded completely, I'd give it five stars. But I don't, yes. I don't give many things five stars because I think five stars is like a coveted thing that you can barely get. So yeah. if you're sure. rating, yeah. maybe we can talk about Letterbox stuff more. But if you're rating Weezer Records, Blue Album is a five star record. Uh huh. Yeah, I agree. I just can't believe. What would you give Maladroit? Oh, like two. But does that mean I don't enjoy it? No. Yes, that's that. That is a good point. I think that you're essentially saying. Ah, now I feel like I'm contradicting myself because <laughs> I tell people all the time: not everything has to be high art. Uh huh. Like everything doesn't every, oh, deserve okay. an Oscar. Right. Yes. And that is fine. I think not everything has to be good for me to enjoy it. I like a lot of things that aren't I like a lot of things that aren't good, I think. And Weezer is one of the, Weezer but, is one of those things. <laughs> but is it I okay. I feel what you're what you're saying, but I think you almost need to take it a tiny step further. And and you basically said it. Uh-huh. Weezer is not good, but <laughs> you like it. Yeah, I think that's right. And, and that I is think fine. That people unfairly dislike it. But not everything has to be good. And Weezer no, might be bad, and that's fine. But I think that even since day one, there's been a part of Weezer that's bad. I think that the, the, the corniness and distastefulness that exists on the current records also exists on Blue. It's just different. Blue Blue album is Wedding Singer and like Make Believe is probably like Jack and Jill. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think yeah, I think we're on the same territory here. Then I think we can wrap this up then. Okay, but before <laughs> we do that, I just have one no- one specific note about this record that okay. I wanted to talk about. Please do. This record, the Blue album for me is a significant marker of me hitting puberty because the band that I played in when I was in eighth grade covered Say It Ain't So. And then we kind of broke up for a time and started again with a new guy when I was in high school and we tried to play Say It Ain't So and my voice had changed and I didn't know how to sing it anymore. And it was in that moment that I was like, oh my God. So there you go. Well, before I do let you go, um, I had a few notes, and we didn't really get to any of them. I guess we kind of got through the Weezer history. I think we hit on it enough. Once again, kind of speaking to anyone listening, you can Wikipedia things, so I don't want to <laughs> just talk about things <laughs> that people can Wikipedia. Um, so, yes, like Weezer history, read up on it. Rivers mm-hmm. Cuomo, yes, he was a metalhead. Big Pixies uh-huh. fan, somehow mixed it, and that's what we're talking about today. Uh, yeah. We, I think we touched on, maybe it's going to get edited out, but Incel Rock of the 90s. We did talk about that. Um, <laughs> and then, so, you know, I also want to mention, if anyone does not know, uh, you do too much TV, 
which is an yes. amazing podcast with your partner, Sam. Um, I guess correct. if you want to explain what that is to people that do not know who you are, if that's possible. Is this just the plug section in general? This is the plug section, and this is kind of like the plane. They've told you to put your seatbelt back on, and we're kind of circling. Gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I do a podcast called Too Much TV with Sam of the band Pony where every week we're going through the Ringer's top 100 TV episodes of the century, and we watch the episode, talk about it with a guest, and we each write a song that is influenced in some way by that episode. So every week we're writing, recording, and releasing a song along with the podcast. And it's a comedy podcast also. It's a really awesome podcast. Um, I also was reading my notes and thinking... Would anyone be mad that we did not talk about Patrick Wilson at all, the drummer of Weezer? Brian Bell, who's not even on this record, but is credited. He sings on it a little bit. Okay. And Jason Cropper. Okay, so Jason Cropper is the one that got fired. Yeah, that's right. And he's barely on this record. I think he's on a little bit. I think he is credited and has like an intro or something he wrote the intro to my name is jonas but he doesn't play anything on the record oh okay and of course matt sharp do you think people need to know the history of matt sharp or do you think that is well-trotted territory uh i don't think we need to get into it except to say that uh return of the rentals is just a little bit worse than the blue album it's still so good Hmm. So if you've listened if you've listened to the to the blue album over and over again, you're sick of the blue album. You don't want to listen to it anymore, but you want something that fits that vibe and you don't want to listen to one of the new clones, then listen to Return of the Rentals. I've heard people say that Weezer wasn't good uh, hasn't been good since Matt Sharp left, and I Wrong. will tell them even as someone that's not a huge Weezer fan that that is silly. That's absolutely untrue. Yeah. <laughs> They're, massively untrue because of the way that they made this record any of us i feel like could fill that role and that's not even to any discredit of matt sharp's genius it's just i, I think you taking matt sharp out of this i don't see where it'd be any different but i guess i'm discounting like songwriting credits or help you know he i mean he can be credited for uh backing vocals and harmonies and stuff like that which is cool and it's an important part of the way this record sounds but uh i don't think he is the make or break for weezer i think think it's it's back to the thing of like it's just everything was a perfect like timing to make that happen because if it were true solely that matt sharp is like some super genius then we would be hearing a lot more about matt sharp yes we would be here talking about return of the rentals yeah and people are not and no. that that is unfortunate um yeah, that is a great is. record but okay so currently uh you well i'll say currently maybe i'm the only one that kind of knows it you've recorded a uh, another full-length record uh, i guess if that's you right don't want to talk about that or do you have any news about the new Pretty Matty record at this The point? new Pretty Matty record is still being mixed. It'll be out at some point. I have no idea when. I like it. Is that news? I don't think I've heard it. You haven't sent it, right? No, I have not sent it to anyone yet. Mm, I think that's a smart decision. I, I'm, 
I feel like I uh, have trouble with like sending people essentially voice notes, which we've <laughs> both done like on our group chat. Uh, but I think when it's something like a full length or whatnot, like that finished product, like you don't want to send it to friends like too early. I don't. I don't like the idea of sending uh, anything other than like the master version usually because I don't like. There were times in my life when I had like the wrong mix of my friend's record, and I listened to that so many times, and I was like, "Oh, this kind of sounds shitty." You yeah. know what I mean? I want people to have. I want people to hear it the way I want, the way I envision it. The other thing I want to plug is the new Pony record, which will have just come out on last Friday. Mm-hmm. It's out on Take This to Heart Records. It's called TV Baby. Listen to it. I think it rocks. I played bass and lead guitar on it, and you know what? I think that listening to the Weezer record today, uh, the way that I wrote leads for the Pony record, very influenced by the Blue album. There's almost no lead part that isn't a guitar solo. Mm. Yeah. I, I've i enjoyed the singles that I've heard. Um, I actually did, I think, didn't hear an early version of the Pony record. Um, I liked it. Uh, I like the way the singles sound now. Um, I think the journey that it has been for the Pony record to come out is really cool and kind of just like makes the whole experience like feel like, I don't know, vindication maybe isn't the right word. Oh yeah, there's um, a definite vindication vibe. Um, but I'm, I'm being having been in that situation multiple times in my life, kind of records that just are kind of taking too long to come out. Like it's, it's happy to see that Pony record finally coming out and, uh, you know, and getting a good response too. I'm very excited about it. It's it, This record is one of the things that I've been the most proud of in my life, so I'm very excited for it to come out. Yeah, and I appreciate you for taking the time to talk with me. And uh, anything else you want to say? Can people find you anywhere or whatnot? Yeah, so uh, on Twitter and Instagram, it's P-R-T-T-Y-M-T-T-Y because on both platforms, there are inactive accounts with the username Pretty Maddie. So I had to I had to do it this way. So follow me there. Follow Too Much TV, the number two Much TV pod, I think, on Instagram and Twitter. Um, PrettyMaddie.com to listen to my music. And my last note about the Blue Album and about Weezer in general is that I think I kind of have like a weird um, father figure type relationship with Rivers where he keeps putting out these records that um, are maybe... You know, he's making decisions I don't like. He's doing things that I think are not necessarily great, but I still love him. He's still my dad, and I love him. Appreciate you (laughs) taking the time to talk with me, Maddie, and I'm looking forward to the upcoming, whenever it is, Pretty Maddie record and Pony record. Thank you for having me. Have a good one. Bye. Welcome back. Thanks again to Pretty Maddie for coming on the pod. Check out the new Pony album and keep an eye out for the new Pretty Maddie LP later this year. Also check out Maddie's podcast, Too Much TV. I listen to it every week and it's always a treat. Okay, next week on the pod I'm chatting with artist extraordinaire Perry Shell. He's a great buddy of mine and it's honestly super surprising I took this long to get him on. 
We talked then Lizzie's 1977 album, Bad Reputation. Always a pleasure to chat rock, art, and t-shirts with Perry. I could honestly stand to do it more. Before I let you go, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Rate, review, and subscribe. Check out the Patreon. You know the drill. Thanks as always to Sarah Blumenthal for editing and producing the pod, and Pretty Maddie for the theme. Okay, see you next week. <laughs>